Are you struggling to determine what's ethical and what's not for your business or practice? It may be because you haven't delved deeply into your why, your why for your business. Called by many a unique and deep approach, the Why Workshop is a self-paced $77 mini course that guides you in a multifaceted dive into why you do what you do. The resulting ahas can become the heart of your brand and filter all of the decision-making in your business. Go to defythestatusquo.com forward slash the hyphen why hyphen workshop to learn more. Why don't coaches post their fees on their websites? I asked in a giant Facebook group. There are a hundred comments and counting on that question post. And I didn't like a lot of what I saw. (laughs) There are many perspectives against price transparency. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Defiant Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. This podcast is for the business owners and professionals who have seen the status quo in their industry and are ready to do things differently. We're here for the contrarians, mavericks, and rebels. On the Defiant Business Podcast, we'll talk about marketing, sales, client and customer experiences, finances, and amazing entrepreneur journeys that show that none of us are alone. Thank you for joining me. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, and I am also the founder of Defy the Status Quo, which is a consultancy that is focusing on the ethics of coaching businesses. Yeah, the ethics of coaching businesses. So that's a relatively new pivot, and you will be hearing more of this type of content, not just from me, but also from our guests. So this is what I feel called and moved to do. And that is what I'm sharing with you today. So today we are going to talk about a topic that started quite a tussle in a Facebook group that I'm in, asked the question, and people had quite a bit to say. So what would it be like if coaches and consultants put their prices right on their website, their fees, right? the costs of doing business with them, the costs of their services, the cost of working with them, the cost of the exchange. Why don't more coaches and consultants put their prices out in the open? There's a lot of reasons. But before we get to those questions, I've realized uh, as I continue to explore the processes required for critical thinking, what's needed for creative thinking, and therefore what's needed for ethical discussions, because without creativity, without critical thinking, there are no, there is no ethicality, there is no discussion on ethics. But in order for us to have a fair discussion on ethics, I have to be able to tell you what informs my perspective. And so I'm going to share with you the foundation of my ethical decision making, the foundation of my ethical brainstorming. And if you disagree uh, with anything in my foundation or if you find that your perspective has a different foundation, then that could account for some of the differences that we bring to the table. And so that's the thing about ethics. Like, I feel like most of the time we can feel like something is right or wrong, but sometimes, especially with the nuances present in the practices, like the question from today, right? There are nuances here and people feel strongly about it either way, but most of the time where we get stuck is actually 
enunciating, actually putting to words specifically those nuances. So that's the first thing. So if you're going to have any discussions around ethics, you have to understand the core beliefs that inform your perspective. If you can understand the core beliefs that inform your perspective, you have, you know, a very poor chance of understanding anyone else's. So the philosopher Immanuel Kant taught that people should not be used only as a mere means, but also as ends in and of themselves. So he's not saying that, you know, we're not out here trying to get clients, right? And that helps us, you know, live, right? It fuels our lifestyle, helps us pay bills and stuff. He's not saying that that's not the case, but you cannot treat people as if they are only a means. They are also an end in and of themselves. And so in order to do this, the situation has to be one in which all participants can fully consent. So I believe in informed consent. So hiding prices of fees doesn't allow a prospect to be fully informed. It puts y'all on unequal footing. And so I don't think that that serves us as coaches or consultants. If you're a coach or a consultant who claims to fully embrace right, a sense of agency or personal agency, which I'm going to get to in a second. If you claim to do that, but then also start off calls where you are superior to your clients in terms of information, then, you know, you're not actually living up to that. So sense of agency or personal agency. I'm going to explain this just because I feel like it's it's not quite on the level of the like the phrase like limiting beliefs or emotional intelligence, which gets thrown about about quite a bit where people don't even really understand what it means. <laughs> but sense of agency or personal agency is our feeling of control over actions and their consequences. We feel as if we are in the driver's seat when it comes to our actions. So if you do not feel like that in the day-to-day of your life, then you lack a sense of agency. You do not have personal agency. Some, you feel as if somebody else is in the driver's seat of your life. And uh, I, I think that that's one of the most terrible things that we can do to a human being. So science debates whether we have actual agency or only a sense of agency, but for our purposes, it doesn't really matter since even a sense of agency is a part of our individual perception of reality. And the more I study, the more I realize just how terrible it is to manipulate someone's perception of reality. (laughs) I'm not sure I can convey just how profound this feels to me. We each create our own perception of reality. This is the only way through which we experience our lives. I can empathize with you, but short of, you know, telepathy, short of that, short of transferring my soul to your body, I only have this experience, this vantage point this position in the room. It's not to say somebody else isn't standing next to me in this proverbial room that we call life. So you may have a similar perspective, but you don't have this perspective. Only I can stand in this spot, just like only you can stand in your spot. And so to manipulate somebody's perception of reality, it's it's egregious. Like it's, as I said, I struggle to put put it into words. And I'm, I'm going to work on that because I feel like it's something that's incredibly important because as coaches and consultants, if you're a coach, you're helping people learn how to see the world from their perspective, how to develop tools and, and to you know solve whatever problem it is you're looking to solve, but you're the guide. And if you're the consultant, you're typically a conveyor of information, right? So you are supposed to be adding to that person's perception of reality. So as coaches and consultants, we are guides. We, are, we have the potential to influence maybe more than some other areas. Like if you have software, 
right? If you have a software, if you have a product, that doesn't have the same impact on somebody's reality as some of the work that coaches and consultants do. And this is the first time I've actually put that into words, even for myself. So you guys are getting that completely stream of consciousness. So I'm going to have to think on that more. But manipulation that infringes upon someone else's perception of reality actually robs them of their agency. It takes away their sense of control over their actions because you've manipulated or coerced them. If you create a high pressure environment that intentionally guides someone into a decision that could be held that could be against their best interest, you've started treating them solely as a means instead of treating them also as an end in and of themselves. Also, something else that informs my perspective when I talk about ethics, prospects are grown-ass adults. They're grown. They are grown. I will not, infant- <laughs> I will not infantilize my audience, prospects, or clients. I believe that we're all powerful beings in our own right with the capacity to accomplish amazing things. Because I believe that, I can't also treat my people, my people being my audience, my prospects, my clients, I can't treat them as if they can't navigate their way out of a wet paper bag without me, right? Let go of that hero complex. Prospects aren't just sitting around with their thumbs up their asses waiting for you to rescue them. These are people who have the gumption to start businesses. So speaking again from my own individual perspective, just as an individual, I have joined a military. I was in the United States military for eight and a half years. I deployed to a war zone for 12 months. I'm a two-time sexual assault survivor. I've run two half marathons. I have four kids. I've set myself up in new cities multiple times. I've been married for 10 years and I quit a six-figure job. And then I had to tell my husband I was going to quit a six-figure job. (laughs) But that's just the tip of the iceberg. I don't need you to save me. Your prospects, they don't need you to save them. If this is the type of person that you're talking to, right? And this is what I see coaches and consultants. They're like, oh, you're so awesome. But there's like this one thing. And if you work with me, then you can be more awesome. All right. Well, if they're so awesome, you need to treat them as if they are awesome. All right. Because... Because it just doesn't make sense otherwise, right? You're saying one thing and, and what you really mean is another. And I know, so I know all of those things about myself. Those are my, some of my things that I've accomplished in my life. And I know my clients are also amazing people. I know my prospects and people in my audience are also amazing people who've experienced life. And I can't paint them as weak-minded. So if a prospect can't handle an upfront conversation about what I do, why I do it, and intended outcomes, and what it costs, then they aren't ready to work with me. If a prospect needs to be manipulated, in order to work with me, then they've come to the wrong place. If you can't make it through an alignment call with me, those are my discovery calls. (laughs) If you can't make it through an alignment call with me where I'm, you know, turning the light back on you and and helping you look at things, this shit ain't going to get any easier from here. Like (laughs) signing with me does not get easier after the alignment call. Truth, right? Like we're we're like, we are are, are looking to, to cast light. Right. That's what I say. I'm not I'm not throwing shade. I am casting light. And I do that for my clients. So (laughs) I posted it, like I said, in that Facebook group. And so here are three excuses. I'm going to give you three of the ones that I feel like I saw the most. Here are three excuses not to post fees that I think are bullshit. Yep, I said it. Commoditization. That was one. So somebody said posting prices turns you into a commodity. Slippery slope to the bottom as you are forcing your prospect into a headspace where they shop for the lowest cost provider rather than an effective solution to their problem. What? Okay. So again, remember, please, 
I struggled with this episode, to be honest, because that post in that Facebook group blew up and it was overwhelming because there were so many things I saw that I didn't like. And I actually delayed recording this because I had to sit with those emotions for a while and realize why it is that I'm doing this. I'm not doing this for the people in that Facebook group who wrote what they wrote. I'm doing this for the people who have hit play on this episode. I'm doing this for the people who have opted in to hear this information. And if you want to have a conversation about it, I am more than happy to do so. But you chose to listen to this. And and so you are the person that I decided to do this for. But first of all, it seems a bit presumptive to me to assume that about the mindset of the prospect. Okay, so I just finished a business ethics certificate program two months long through Cornell. And when I was researching different ethics programs available to me, I wasn't go like I didn't look for the cheapest. I found several that I liked and I compared and contrasted them and I picked one and it wasn't the cheapest one. But the fact that the certification was within what I had budgeted for it is what kept it in the running. And in fact, if they hadn't openly shared the cost because it was Cornell, I would have actually figured it was way out of my budget. It's Cornell University for crying out loud. I would have assumed that I couldn't have afforded that. But they were open about their pricing. They were open about what I would get. They were open about the outcomes. And I actually made that purchase off of the landing page. And then they called me and they were like, oh, so we just wanted to talk to you about fit. And I'm like, actually, I already purchased it. So I hope you all think I'm a good fit. (laughs) And they did after we talked. So so I got to be in the program. But I want you to consider that. Right. And, you know, part of that is because Cornell has a wonderful reputation as education, you know, as an educational organization. I was like, wow, yeah, you know, that seems that seems right. That seems good for me. And like I said, I liked what I saw. And I made the decision and I don't regret it at all. I'm super pleased and I got a lot out of the program. But does that sound like somebody who was kosh, like shopping? Does that sound like somebody who was who was looking around and only wanted the lowest cost option? Did that turn their course into a commodity? Not for me, but maybe I was in the right mindset. Uh, Another one I got was that it's too customizable. That's why you don't put fees. Somebody said, well, if you offer customizable programs or offers, then listing a singular price would lack integrity since it's never the same for each client in terms of how much time and resources it takes with each client to produce the results that they want. Excuse me? Okay. So if we're going to talk about commod, like we're going to talk about people who offer multiple services, you're saying because they offer multiple services, because those services are customizable, That means you can't put a singular price. I didn't say a singular price, first of all. So I guess that person added that into the conversation. I just now caught that. I didn't say put a singular price. That's silly. Of course, it would lack integrity. It would be a lie because you got multiple prices. (laughs) But but I, I mean, I can get that things are customizable. But what about starting at fees, right? What about starting at fees? So when I had my content marketing agency, we did multiple types of projects. We did website content. We did video content. We did social media content. We did email content. We did blog content, white papers, case studies, eBooks, right? And what I did was I created a page on my website that was services, and I listed all the different project types, very short descriptions, and I put starting at fees. So for example, my any website content we did was for a mat like so this fee was as low as we would go and it would get you five pages with us. It was fifteen hundred dollars. We don't do that anymore. Please don't email me about it. <laughs> but it was fifteen hundred dollars for up to five pages. If somebody and I've gotten it. Well, what if I need three pages? Well, the amount of work that I have to do for three pages is pretty much the same in terms of like research and competitive analysis, market research and all that stuff, SEO research. 
it's pretty much the same for three pages or five pages. So that's why the fee is at its minimum and you get a maximum number of five pages. If you need more pages than that, we can quote you a higher fee to cover all of those pages. But this is the lowest we will go. So if you need three pages, you're still paying $1,500. And people paid it. So what about starting at fees? Have you considered that? Also, you know, I get things that are customizable, but starting at fees. If, is everything so customizable that you don't have a process or a framework? Like you you sit down and you have absolutely no idea how things are going to move forward with a client? Like you've got nothing? That's kind of, I mean, I feel like it's kind of whole point of your experience is that you're building out efficient ways to do these things. So I just, I struggle with the idea that it's just so customizable that you absolutely have no way of being able to put some type of price or fee indicator where people can see it and grant your organization a little bit of cost transparency. Something else that came to mind while I was brainstorming this episode is what about like case study pricing? where you describe a specific scenario and tell people, hey, so this ended up costing this much for this client. And then here's a different scenario. And this ended up costing this much for that client. But I feel like what this offers is it at least gives people a range. So going back to my business certificate example, let's say no business programs, no business ethics programs put the prices on their website and I had to call them all. And let's say Cornell was my absolute favorite and I mean, it ended up being my favorite anyway, but let's say it was. And then I call them and they tell me that the certificate program is $50,000. Y'all just be, let's say like we do a call and they're like, yeah, show the value, right? You got to anchor in value. You don't, you know, price without value is you're pulling it out of context and you're doing a disservice. To, like these are some of the things that people were saying, like it's out of context, right? Telling the price without showing the value does a disservice. Well, let's say we went on that call and they had me slav, like I was slavering for it, right? Let's say I was frothing at the mouth for their business ethics program. And then they tell me it's $50,000. I don't have $50,000 to throw at a two-month business ethics certificate program. And that long-ass high-pressure call is not going to change that. And even if I did, that's not the environment under which I should be making decisions about that type of investment. That type of environment is not conducive to good decision making. And I feel it's a disrespect to prospects to put them in that type of environment. I didn't actually write that down. I just said it just now, but it's true. I think it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to other people as human beings to intentionally put them in an environment where they can't make good decisions. It's like hanging out at the bar, waiting for drunk people to come out to try to get them to make some type of bad decision. And we look down on those people. I look down on those people. I don't know about you. I look down on those people because we consider it predatory. And, you know, I, I feel this to be, you know, while obviously very different situations, no less predatory. Hmm. Maybe that's something for y'all to think about. Something for me to think about. The third one I found was price shopping. You will attract people who value the outcome more than the price. And then like, is the cost the most important thing or the value you will receive? Uh, people will price shop, et cetera. So who cares if they want to price shop? And to the second one, right, where it's like, uh, you know, making a fear-based decision ahead of time. Again, I think this ties back to one of the other parts of my foundation. Our prospects are grown-ass adults, and I will not infantilize them. It's infantilizing prospects if we behave as if they can't make a decision on their own, okay? So it really help. It can really help prospects make a decision if pricing is on a website. It may help deter tire kickers. Even if you customize packages, you can probably put a starting price at something, right? 
A full description of your pricing info doesn't have to be externally facing, but just to give people some idea of what it is you cost, right? Like if I go to a doctor, if I go to a doctor and let's say I don't have insurance, although I doubt my insurance company would cover this anyway, but let's say I need some type of life-saving treatment and I don't have insurance and they tell me that the cost, like we're going through this whole thing. They're telling me how it's going to revolutionize my life. It's going to totally get rid of my illness and it's going to be wonderful. And they tell me that it's $10 million. Bitch, I don't have $10 million. You just wasted my time. <laughs> if you had told me upfront that it was $10 million, I could just go quietly away and, and just do the best I can with the life that I've got left, however long that is. You withholding pricing information does not change how much money is in my bank account. It doesn't. So whether you're a coach or a consultant, withholding fees doesn't change the budget of your client, doesn't change what would be and what wouldn't be a risky investment for that prospect. Those things don't change. And if you have your client's best interests at heart, you should not be creating environments that facilitate poor decision making. So there were a couple trending assumptions in this like over 100 comments post. And so I've got three of the trending assumptions and we're just going to go through those real quick. So one of the assumptions, and look, this is all part of critical thinking. Assumptions are one of the types of thought that we have. Assumptions are things that we believe without actually confirming them. They are insidious. We assume things and then make decisions based off of those assumptions without confirming them. That's a problem. So first trending assumption I saw, prospects are looking to pay the lowest amount possible. Look, we're in business. So cost is an important consideration, but it isn't the only one. Imagine if we did this to houses. Imagine if we did this to houses. Let's say you were on Zillow and they didn't list any prices for the houses. And you're like, oh, but these houses look great. These houses look great. Uh, let me go see this house. Oh, this house is everything I ever wanted, right? And then you find out that, again, the house is $10 million. Well, that doesn't change how much money I'm going to be able to get a mortgage loan for. I can't afford this $10 million house. You just wasted everybody's time. Or conversely, right? Like what I was saying with Cornell, like I, that program, like they could have charged $50,000 for it for all I knew, right? And I would have assumed that it was out of my budget until I saw that it wasn't. So on the flip side, maybe I go see a house, but I'm like, this house is too wonderful. There's no way we're going to be able to afford it. And so I don't even bother, right? Because that's what usually happens. People are in the process now, the habit of leaving websites when there's no pricing information. Because I have, I don't want to waste time. I have no idea whether or not you're going to be in my budget. So I should just move along to somebody else who is a bit more price transparent. So the second trending assumption, all funnels and buyer's journeys look the same. So... That was the other thing. When we're talking about this stuff, I guess, you know, it's important to remember that my ideal prospect is not the same as other people's ideal prospects. And that's absolutely okay. But I do think even for people who would be considered an uninformed audience, there are still certain things, i.e. like the high pressure sales call uh, that and, and then like the infantilizing that just shouldn't happen. But not all buyer's journeys look the same. Most of my prospects, people who got on alignment calls with me, hung out in my audience for quite some time. Only time that that wasn't true was because of an incredibly strong referral. And then the third one, because it was, I didn't just see that whole thing like posting prices forces your prospect into a mindset. I saw that more than once. And price transparency, so that's the third trending assumption, that price transparency forces prospects into some kind of unfavorable mindset. So this ties back into number two, where we have to remember that we've all got different audiences that we're speaking to. But my ideal prospects are highly aware individuals. They're comfortable with what they're not good at because they want to hire other people 
to do those things for them. They are comfortable discovering that there are things out there that they don't know. They embrace the opportunity to be creative and they are always looking for ways to improve not just their businesses, but also themselves. So price transparency for my ideal prospect does not force them into any kind of unfavorable behavior, like mindset. They're not going to look at fees on my website and be like, oh, Ruthie, no, can't do it with Ruthie. Mm -mm. I found this other coach who's who's certified in business ethics and emotional intelligence and talks a lot about authenticity, who's $1,000 less, so I'm going to go with her. Mm -hmm. That just, that's not how it works. (laughs) That's not what happens. So price transparency turns sales calls into upfront discussions. It's no longer a high pressure call with a big price reveal at the end. So it's actually better for everybody. It's a discussion of fit right from the beginning. If prospects need to be convinced or manipulated into this simple decision, move forward or not, I'm not saying that the decision needs to be made quickly, right? They can take time to think about it. I encourage my, my prospects to take time to think about it. But if they, they need to be convinced or manipulated into that decision, then they aren't ready. So I'm not saying they got to make it fast, but I'm saying that if they need manipulation to make it happen, then they're not ready to work with me. They, they're not self-aware and standing in their own sense of agency and sovereignty. The manipulative sales script relies on a prospect still needing to be led, to be told what success is. And instead, we should be using those calls and our interactions with prospects to get help them understand what it feels like to claim that agency, to stand in their sovereignty as fully functional, powerful human beings who have the ability to create wonderful things. What I want are prospects who are leading themselves who are at least ready to lead themselves, who have the agency, right? Who have the self-awareness to joyfully say yes to working with me. Don't you? Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to journal about this. If there's anything that came up that you want to talk about, I am just a DM away. These conversations are the beginning steps to transforming our industry and helping it evolve. If you got something out of today's episode, Would you do me a favor? Would you please share it in a community, maybe your community, a community where you're active, Facebook, Slack, Discord, et cetera, to keep the conversation going? You never know who your share will help. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at DefyTheStatusQuoBiz, and the link is in this episode's description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.